Amen. Let's be standing for the reading of God's word. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Please be seated. Thank you. Okay, I've got to start off with a, a shameless plug, just straight out. That is, is that we have three more Wednesday nights for WOW, and if you've just not been, I am imploring, pleading, begging you to come and just sing praises to the Lord. I know Wednesdays are hard. I know you work all day long, and I, I know it's tough, but i got to let you know something. If you'll come, you'll leave inspired. I, I want to thank Princeton for reading the scripture. He had threatened to read Psalm 119. <laughs> and so we, just, we said, no, Psalm 19, all right? So listen, I, I don't know about you, but have you, how many sermons have you heard about when we talk about the Word of God, I, I was raised around the church, and I've got to let you know, I've probably heard a few hundred word, uh, sermons about the Word of God. And, and usually what happens when we start talking about this, there's the lowering of the head, and then there's these thoughts that, or even words that come out, yeah, yeah. I just need to spend more time in God's Word. Yeah, my relationship is just not what it used to be. You know, life has just been so hectic. I mean, there's a job and there's kids and there's school and, you know, fill in whatever blank you want. And I, I just have not been able to spend time with God. I haven't been able to read His Word I want you to know I've been in ministry for about 40 years now, and, and what I, here's what I've noticed about us. We walk around 
with a pretty hefty load of guilt, especially when it comes to talking about the study of God's Word. Uh, we carry a heavy, heavy load when it comes to that. And I don't know, maybe it just comes with the territory. I mean, think about it for just a second. We human beings having to have a relationship with the divine. I, I mean, just think about that for just a moment. But here's what I want to tell you. Before you bear up underneath that horrible load, there's three things I want to tell you today. I want you to know. And first off is this, is that God loves being in relationship with you. We talk a lot of times about our relationship with God, but I want to reverse that for just a second. I want to reverse it, and I want you to view things from God's perspective, and I want to let you know that God loves that we're image bearers of the Holy Spirit. God rejoices in the fact that we have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And I don't know how you... What, what talk you give to yourself when you think how God's looking at you. Maybe the talk you think that God is talking to you when he's looking at you may sound something like this. I am so disappointed in you. I am just so disappointed in you. You know... I wish you would do a better job. I just wish you would do a better job in your relationship with me. Maybe that's the talk that goes on. But I want to let you know today is this. That when God considers you, He smiles. He smiles. And there's joy and a love for you that knows no bounds. The second thing I want to tell you is this. Feeling guilty is never a long-term solution to your relationship with God. Feeling guilty is never the solution to your relationship with God. It can never be the catalyst by which you change your relationship. Oh yeah, you might get a few, you know, you might get some results, you know, for, you know, guilty feelings. You might do a, little, a few things, but I want to let you know it never will be and never has been the catalyst for long-term change in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It never has and it never will be. The third thing I want you to know is this, as we do this Lift Up series, and Princeton talked about lifting up Christian community this last week, and, and I want to talk to you about lifting up Scripture, and I want to tell you is this, whatever changes you decide to make today, let it come from a grateful and loving heart and not a guilty heart. Let it come from that type of heart. So, what do I tell you, and what could I say to you to inspire you to lift up Scripture? Today, we're not going to do the technical approach to lifting up Scripture. And you know the technical approach, and that is five things that you must do for your Bible study. Or, let's do ten things on a better way to understand and decipher the Bible. It's not going to be anything like that. 
And it's surely not going to be anything to make you feel guilty about your Bible study. I want the things that I share with you today to inspire you to just greater intimacy with God's Word. And I want to start out by giving you a couple of pictures. A couple of pictures of God's people who lifted up Scripture. This is what I love about Scripture. I love Scripture because every once in a while, or a lot of times, you go in there, and here's what happens. You look out and you go, Aha! So that's what that looks like. That's what that looks like when you lift up Scripture. I like that picture. Turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah 8. Since we're lifting up Scriptures, I hope you have your Bible. Even on your phone. All right. Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah has been sent back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. All right. He's rebuilt the walls. And, and, the, and the job's completed. It's been about 100 years since the first uh, prisoners have been taken off into captivity. And now they're back. They've completed the walls. And all of a sudden, they gather at the water gate. And they gather at the water gate. And here's what happens is this. Ezra brings out the word of God, the law of Moses. And you'll find that in 8.1. But go to 8.3. Notice, and again, it's, we're looking at these people who lifted up Scripture. In 8.3 it says, he read it, it, he read it aloud from daybreak to noon. And he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand. And all the people, watch this, listened attentively to the book of the law. Look at verse 5, chapter 8 and verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, and I love this, it was a natural reaction. As he opened it, the people all stood up. Now look at verse 9. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Here's what happened. The law so pierced their lives that they began to cry. Now look at verse 15, 8, 15. And that they should proclaim his word and spread it throughout the towns and in Jerusalem. And I love this. And I love this idea and this picture. And, and, and the people of Israel at this moment in time, we could point to them and say, and that's a beautiful picture of what it means to lift up God's word. And for us, just like Israel, let us be attentively listening to God's word. And just like Israel, let us show respect and reverence and awe for God's word. And like Israel, let the word of God pierce our hearts. And like Israel, let's take God's word and spread it into our own world, right? The second group of people we find in Acts chapter 17. Turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. And if you, notice, if you notice in the book of Acts, there's just this steady stream of people's reaction to the Word of God. And I love the Bereans' reaction to the Word of God. 
In Acts chapter 17, what we find, we have Paul on his second missionary journey. He's gone to Thessalonica, and after leaving Thessalonica, he now comes to Berea. And he's going to make a point of comparison between those in Thessalonica and those in Berea. And notice what he says in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And three words here that typify the Berean Christians, eagerness, examined in every day. That's what we learn about these people. That's who we could point to and go, that's it. That is, that's what we need to lift up. And, and this eagerness, this eagerness that it talks about, they were ready and they're will, willing to listen to God's word. There was a great zeal in just listening to God's word. And then they examined it. They examined it, which means they investigated it. They scrutinized it. They sifted through scripture. And here's the reason why, and this is so important. They did this to make sure what Paul said was true and also so that their lives could be in concert with the word of God. There was a reason behind these actions, and I love the frequency. It was every day. We too must look to the Berean Christians and we must grab hold of that spirit and lift up this spirit and let it be known of the people of Sunset is this, is that we're ready and that we're willing to listen to the word of God. And not only are we ready and willing to listen to the word of God, there is a zeal when it comes to examining the word of God and that we're not afraid to dig deeply and dig often. And let it be said of the people, or let us be known as the people at sunset, of one of a daily routine in studying God's Word. And we're blessed, aren't we? We're blessed to have Old Testament and New Testament people that we could go to, go to and go, yeah, I think that's it. That's exactly what that looks like. That's exactly what that looks like. And I'm so grateful for that. But not only do we have people that we could look to, I want to let you know there's some benefits. There are benefits to lifting up Scripture. There's benefits to lifting up Scripture. I want to let you know there's a vitality that comes. There's a vitality that comes. There's a life that comes from lifting up Scripture. Do you know that you have to have three things in order to survive? Air, water, Diet Coke, and food. <laughs> Oh, wait, Aaron, I'm sorry. You got the wrong slide. It's the other. It's this slide. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> and so we have to have those three things. We have to have air, we have to have water, and we have to have food. And I want to let you know, when the people of Israel were wandering around in the, in the desert, they became acutely aware for the need for water and for food. And God, in his loving kindness and his, his providential care, took care of both of those things. He took care of the water, but he took care of the food in the form of manna. Now, I, I love, you know, what does manna mean? What is it? No, I'm not, it's not a joke, like who's on first and second. I mean, that's what it means. What is it? So the people of Israel went around to go, manna, what is it? And it, they just ate it. And, but here's the thing. There is this cool thing going on with the manna. God didn't give them the manna just for them to fill their bellies. 
even though they did that. God just didn't give them that just to fill their belly. There was something there also to teach them about the word of God. Watch this. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, notice this passage. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. Now watch this. Here it is. To teach you. Manna wasn't given them just for manna's sake. It was to teach them something. Now watch what it was supposed to teach them. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Just as vital as manna is to life, so also are my words. And that was the lesson of manna. Jesus reiterated this statement in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 when he was being tempted. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And the application is so important for us. We cannot survive without the word of God. Amen? I mean, we should be amen in that. We cannot live without the word of God. We can't make it. And just as hungry as we are right now, because it's close to the noon hour, we should be that hungry for the word of God. And that's the benefit of the word of God. It gives us life. It gives us vitality. The second benefit is this. It gives us confidence before the throne of God. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. It says this about the word of God. For the word of God is living and active. And it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give account. And in these moments in time, in these verses, here's what it tells us about the word of God. It tells us this, that there is this transformational work that goes on in the Word of God. That the Word of God, if we'll allow the Word of God, it'll penetrate all the way to our bone. It'll penetrate to our very inner being. Stuff that you can't even see about me and you. It'll penetrate there and it'll divide it and it will have this transformational effect in our lives. But it still doesn't answer the question, what is the benefit the benefit is that there's a confidence in the throne of God. Watch this. Let's, watch, let's read on. Look at verse 14 through uh, 16. Let's keep reading here. Now notice the word there, therefore. And what do you do with therefore? Therefore you look at everything before, right? Therefore, look at everything before. Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens... Jesus, Son of God, let us home firmly to the, work, the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Watch this. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence 
so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of our need. Now watch what happens here. You take the unbelievable great work of Jesus Christ as our great high priest. You combine that with the transformational work of the, of the, of the word of God. And guess what it does? Guess what it produces? Guess what the benefit is? I have confidence before the throne of God. God, Jesus' work, the word's transformation equates a confidence before the throne room of God. And here's what I get to do in the throne room of God. I could speak with freedom and frankness. And it's okay. It's okay. Not only is there vitality, not only is there confidence, is we don't have to be ashamed. Second Timothy, we just don't have to be ashamed. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, notice this. Do your, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, correctly handling the word of truth. I want to share with you this story. I'll ne- it's the first time I was ashamed because I couldn't handle the word of God correctly. I was ashamed. Okay, I was a senior in high school, and uh, we were at a nursing home. It, it's already bad, all right? I was a senior in high school. It was, we, and, and here's what you did back then in youth group, right, Monty? I mean, there were no trips. You just went to the, you went to the old folks' home and you sang. And so we were at the old folks' home, and we were singing, and we got done, and we were sitting in the lobby there, and I was sitting next to this sweet old lady there, and we just began to talk, and we just started sharing about life, and then she started sharing about the Bible, and she started sharing about what church she went to, and I started sharing about um, the Bible and what church I went to, and here's what I began to realize real quick. We were not seeing eye to eye on either one of those things. And her sweetness went out the door. (laughs) And I got to tell you what that sweet old lady did to me in the lobby of that old folks home. Have you ever heard of the term, be taken out to the woodshed? (laughs) For those who are young, you are going, no, no, I have no idea what you're, you have no idea what I'm talking about, right? She just beat the tar out of me with the word of God. I mean, she took me one up, down, down the other, uh, you know, telling me verses all over, and my head spinning all over the place. And here's what I knew. I knew she was wrong. I could not prove it. I couldn't prove it. And I was ashamed. And you know what I did at that moment in time? I said to myself, that will never happen to me again. It will never happen to me again. Now, it's like all promises. God's, you know, brought people into my life, and they've taken me to the woodshed of the Word of God. But I want to let you know what that was. That was a catalyst for me. That was a catalyst for me. And I studied. I went to the church building on Sunday afternoons and studied Because I was never going to let that happen to me again. Because I was so, so ashamed. 
and we don't have to be. You know that phrase there, do your best? Do your best to present yourself as a workman unto God? You know what it really boils? You know there's only one word there. It means this, study. It just means study. And study means this. It means to actively and diligently and zealously learn the word of God. That's doing your best. Doing your best means you continually seek and you're asking questions and you're pursuing the answers to questions that you encounter in your study. Doing your best means that you accurately present God's word and it takes work. But here's the point of this. Here's the beauty of the promise. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed. We've seen the wonderful pictures, what it looks like for God's people. We've seen the benefits. But I want to talk to you about one more thing. I want to talk about claiming the promises of lifting up Scripture. Turn to your Bible, Isaiah, uh, turn to your Bible to Isaiah chapter 55. Turn your Bible to I yeah, okay. Turn to Isaiah in your Bible. Is that, is that it, Josh? <laughs> Thank you. Can you come up and say this line for me? <laughs> Isaiah 55. Oh, I love this passage. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And it's such a wonderful promise. It's such a wonderful promise. Look at verses 9, 10, and 11. Listen to this. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Now here it is. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering and making it bud and flourishing, and so it yields the seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Now here it is. So it is with my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. And here's the beautiful promise of this, is that when we lift up Scripture and we send it into our lives, God promises there will be an impact. There will be an effect that happens in our lives. It's a promise of God. And so let me tell you what else he promises. He promises faith. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And I don't know how all that works out. All I know is this, is that when I study his word, when I read his word, it produces in me faith. It energizes faith in me. Here's the other promise is this. There's a promise of bearing fruit. In, this, in the parable of the sower and the seed, Mark chapter 4 specifically, here's what happens is this. When the seed goes out, and here's the action. When the seed goes out, and it hits an honest heart, here's what the promise of God is. You will bear fruit. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to wonder about it. You will bear fruit. And not only that, there's the promise of salvation. James chapter 1 and verse 21. James says, if we humbly accept the word of God and we plant it inside of us, we will be saved. And how about this one? There's a promise of eternal life. 
Verily I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. We lift up the word of God for faith. We lift up the word of God to bear fruit. We lift up the word of God for salvation. And we lift up the word for eternal life. And that's the promises of the word of God. And as we close today, the preaching team wanted to do something for you. We wanted to give you something so that you could lift up the word of God. And today we want to give you a present. Now, I want to especially make note of this. Where's Princeton? Princeton Palmer, where are you? Princeton, right here. Princeton, you remember last week in the sermon, Princeton dogged me about my bland table? Just, yes. I want you to know, Princeton, we put red covers on all the tables. It contrasts perfectly with the black here. No, we have, listen, here's what we have. What we want to do is this, is we want to give you a Bible. And here's the beauty of God's Word. Listen to this. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to have a special IQ to lift up the Word of God. Here's what you need to do. Constantly read, seek, and examine. That's all you have to do. It's all you have to do. And today, in each of the foyers, you're going to see this beautiful table with a red tablecloth. And on that, you're going to find two, you're going to have it one thing, but what it is, is it's a journaling Bible, but you're also going to have a, 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 a not a gift card. Hey, not, we're not that, don't have that much money. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bookmark. And on the bookmark, there's four words. It's heart, Jesus, walk, people. And what we're asking you to do is to combine your reading with these prayers. Lifting up these things. Lifting your heart, lifting up Jesus, lifting your walk, and lifting up people. I like the journaling Bible. If you've never seen this before, here's what's really cool about it. On the left-hand side, you have the Word of God. You have this, and the, it's the ESV. But on the right-hand side is a journaling page so that you could write down your notes, and you could write down questions, and you could write down your study notes. And we're just so excited that we're going to give this to you today. Another thing we're going to do is to let you know is this. On October 9th, after we get done with our One Another passage study, we're going to do a study of the book of Mark. And here's what we want you to do. Start lifting up Mark now. Start lifting up Mark now. Bring this to class with all your notes. And, you know, some, uh, some teacher mix, misspe- you know, misspeaks. Go, uh-uh, that's not what that says. No, but start now lifting up God's Word. And i got to tell you something. Um, <clears throat> I want to let you know that we are, uh, we're going to encounter a problem today. And you can't get mad because Jesus said you can't. But we're going to run out. I ordered 600. And those first, those first service people, they were super greedy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. But listen, I want to let you know, we're probably going to run out. But here's the thing. I promise you, Monty, we promise, right? We promise that either next week or by the latest, the next week, we will have enough for everyone here today. 
And so if we run out, don't get mad, don't get grumpy, we'll get it to you. And we'll and just hold that to us. In closing for the invitation, here's what I want to say to you is this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, I love this verse. Paul compliments Timothy on the fact that from infancy he's known the Holy Scriptures. Now watch what it, the Holy Scriptures do. Which make you wise unto salvation. They make you wise until salvation. And today, here's what we want to say. We want you to experience the salvation of Jesus Christ through the power of His Word. We want you to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We want you to believe so much in Him that you'll confess His name, that you'll repent of your sins, and you will be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want with the power of the Word of God. Maybe you're like me. You've been around the church a while. You've been around the church for a while. And the Word of God, the Word of God needs to be lifted up in your life and you're just not real sure how to do that. I want to let you know here is this. Don't go away with that question. We're here to help you as we stand and as we sing.